0: Our second reading is from a book called Wildhood, the subtitle of which is The Epic Journey from Adolescence to Adulthood in Humans and Other Animals. It was written by Harvard evolutionary biologist Barbara Natterson Horowitz and animal behaviorist Catherine Bowers. The authors studied an array of animals and birds and other species too, searching for a pattern of what you would call an adolescent stage in life and its work, and they found it. One of those that they've studied and talked about were the king penguins, and they tell the story of one in particular, Ursula, born in Antarctica. In our reading, we join Ursula. As a fluffy nestling warm in her parents' feathers, Ursula had weathered freezing temperatures and intense winds, defended by mom and dad she'd survived attacks by fearsome predatory seabirds that tear apart penguins to feed their own young offspring. Growing up, like all King Penguins, Ursula had a secret language with her parents, unique calls that belonged only to the three of them. For King Penguins, parental care lasts a full year. And during that time, the small family is a tight-knit trio. Mom and dad care equally for their young, trading off the roles of caregiver, breadwinner, security guard. Lately, though, things had changed. Ursula had been shedding the soft brownish down of chickhood. Sleek black and white adult feathers had begun popping up through the shaggy patches of her baby plumage. Her squeaky juvenile peeps had deepened into the buzzing honks that make penguin colonies sound like giant conductorless kazoo orchestras. Ursula's transformation wasn't just physical, her behavior too was suddenly different. Overtaken by restlessness, she'd begun wandering farther from her parents. During the day she gathered with other adolescents in chattering penguin gangs. Her edginess it has a special scientific name Zug an Ruhr, which is German for migration anxiety. An Ruhr has been studied in birds in mammals, and even in insects that are on the brink of moving away from home territories. Sleeplessness, fueled by shifts in rising adrenaline and sleep-inducing melatoma, melatonin, often accompanies this in animals. A human might describe the feeling with words like excitement, dread, and anticipation. Until that particular Sunday in December, Ursula's increasing wanderlust had been kept in check by an urge to return safely each night to mom and dad and the rest of the rookery. But today was different. Resplendent in her new sleek Smart tuxedo, hyped up on adrenaline, and buzzing with her peers. Ursula moved toward the water's edge. Shoulder to shoulder, the jostling adolescents milled, gazing out into the sea, glancing back at home. No longer chicks, not quite adults, they paused on the brink of a great unknown. I still remember our daughter's first day in kindergarten. All the parents at the bus stop to witness and accompany our little penguins on their first solo journey to school. We waited, smiling, snapping photos of them with their backpacks and their first day outfits and their little packed lunches as they headed off on a first rite of passage of independence from us. Of course, what followed was completely absurd and it says a lot about modern models of parenting. Because as soon as the bus doors closed shut, there we all were, splitting and racing for our cars, which were all parked as close as possible on strategic driveways and street corners, jumping in to follow like some kind of joyous funeral procession behind the bus. And then once at school, just as absurdly quickly parking wherever we could, mostly illegally, to get out and watch as the ducklings got out of the bus to mark the occasion but really actually also secretly to make sure that they made it from the bus stop across the school lawn to the outdoor playground in the back where they lined up and assembled for class. They all seemed so small, so vulnerable, it seemed too soon to do this awesome thing alone. All over the United States, parents and grandparents and foster parents and caregivers and concerned loved ones engage, particularly at this time of the year, in various forms of these rituals of letting go. At the edge of ice flows of all kinds, we watch our little penguins in their tuxedos leap. New classes, new years, sometimes new schools, new freedoms, new responsibilities and challenges. And although our children are better equipped at each stage of life, the stakes do go up, I suppose. As my best friend likes to say, Little kids, little problems, big kids, big problems. And this year, all over the United States, concerned loved ones and caregivers and parents and grandparents and foster parents are facing a changed landscape of what these rituals and opportunities for growing up and stepping out look like or don't. This last week, perfect example. Schools and university campuses opening up and closing down, sometimes within days. Jobs vanishing, internships canceled. I forget what in one month this summer, 13% of leases were broken in our city alone. As people moved somewhere else, maybe, maybe to a room that still had their high school badminton trophies on a shelf. Who knows? Last year? Last year was equally as unprecedented, right? I know my story isn't unusual. My nephew, who was a college freshman, came for spring break, and then the campus shut down. And he was with us for the whole year and summer. In mid-March, we went almost immediately to two adults working from home full-time and two students studying full-time from home. For them, there were still exams and papers, but none of it was exactly like we had mapped out for life on the ice floe in our pod of family. And the lessons about how to live in the oceans beyond were a little different. And of course, lessons about how to live in the oceans beyond and preparing for that, that's what these years, for them, are supposed to be about. This summer, I picked up Wildhood, that book that I shared the reading from this morning, written, as I said, by Harvard evolutionary biologist Barbara Natterson Horowitz and animal behaviorist Catherine Bauer. They who studied all these species to find a pattern of what we might almost call this universal stage of life called adolescence, and then identifying all the evolutionarily granted tasks and challenges of that part of life. They want to point out from the beginning that the two words adolescence and puberty are often used interchangeably, But they're two different things, and they're more concerned with the first. Puberty is a biological process, right? It involves hormones and growth spurts and creatures suddenly being able to reproduce. It describes physical development. Adolescence, (laughs) by comparison, what they're interested in, it describes something so much more complicated, right? It's when this physically developed creature has to learn how to think and act like a mature member of the group. It's about learning key lessons about how the world works and strategies and skills. And across all species, they said, that work boils down to four categories of learning. One, how to be safe. Two, how to navigate social hierarchies. Three, how to communicate and connect sexually. And fourth, how to live and survive independently. Or put succinctly, safety, status, sex, and self reliance. All hardwired literally into the mandates of brain and bodies and hormonal systems and everything pushing the majority of our young to try and master all of that like Ursula and her peers all of a sudden taken over by this agitated desire to leap into the waters So much is going on at this time to both compel the adolescent into the world, but also to make this time a complicated and dangerous one. As the authors note, lacking not only size, but experience with predators, with competitors, with sexuality, and finding food, Vulnerability and inexperience regularly push younger animals into unfamiliar settings. Of course. (laughs) That explains much of our worry and discomfort sending them out into the world, doesn't it? Because as the biologists would say, they are often our loved ones, predator-naive. They're in this awkward place, right, where they're not protected by parents as much as the smaller young are, nor as they are, are they as savvy and experienced, able to identify and to elude or fight off those who would threaten them. It's why we make up rules like don't talk to strangers or get into anybody's car. In all species, like our own, the adolescents are actually a favorite target of predators. Did you know that sea leopards They're known for waiting, nearby, skipping the chance to pursue other prey, waiting for the young, chubby, adolescent king penguins to take their first fledgling leap into the oceans. Some years between those sea leopards and the orcas, only 40% of the penguins in Ursula's community will survive. Even in our own human family, the mortality rate for adolescents in the U.S. is 200 times what it is for children. So there's reason, there's good reason to fear the launch into the world of our adolescence. This is a time in our development when there's a propensity across species for novelty-seeking behavior, right? And risk-taking. In fact, among adolescents of many species, there is not just, I found this fascinating, not just predator naivete, but a strange phenomenon called predator inspection. (laughs) This is when... Most members of the species are understandably and rightfully predator-averse, right? Meaning they flee predators when they know they're around, but an adolescent in the species will often rush toward it, curious to learn. So when signals go out, for instance, that a great white shark is spotted in the area, adolescent sea otters can be seen often swimming toward the shark. Or adolescent bats, when the warning signals go out, fly toward the barn owls. Or curious adolescent hyenas gamble toward the hungry cheetah. Gazelles, I should say, gamble toward the hungry cheetah when the alarm cries go out from the elders. And human adolescents, I don't know. They get their fake ID so they can enter into forbidden places. It's both absurd and it's necessary as it turns out. This response, dangerous for sure. Some of the community will be harmed in such encounters, almost always, even mortally, but, but the others, They'll learn about the predators from these close encounters. First, those who firsthand watch and go along will observe the behavior, learn evasion tactics. And second, those who watch those who, are, who come back wiser and imitate them will learn too from what was observed. Indeed, it turns out the entire pack or flock grows wiser and safer with each risky generation's rough, hard-won lessons. Naivete and curiosity, that desire to explore, that poor ability to assess risk, it, it may also make this one of the most innovative parts of our life cycle as creatures. I think around 2004, the University of Chicago paleontologist Neil Shubin unearthed a fossil that was 375 million years old. It was a fish that they call toctalic, the fish whose remains were found on land and it had four limbs, limbs though that could serve as fins or feet. And so many believe that this was the first creature who transitioned from from sea to land. And one theory about why and how it was that this happened was that it was the adolescents, the smaller and more agile among the species, who made that unprecedented move first as a way to avoid predation. Think about that. Think about... This gutsy, vulnerable adolescent in a species who literally changed the journey and the trajectory of life on this planet. Well, meanwhile, while species are learning how to survive and rushing toward danger to understand it so that they can survive. There's also at this time, as I'm sure many of us know, a greater intense focus on social interactions, status up and down moments and experiences that before and afterwards in life will not ever feel as yucky or as lovely, I think. At this stage, quite literally flood the brain with pleasure hormones or excruciating pain. Actually, the book said acetaminophen can help with this. It's so literally a brain chemical response. Social interactions quite literally hurt and elate more now than they ever will in a human life. Because at one point in evolution, where we were, and for many species still, where we were on the social hierarchy, it determined whether we would get our share of the food that was caught or killed, protection from the pack, even whether we were allowed to reproduce. So so imagine being in this stage, trying to navigate social hierarchy and also now having to figure out the equally fraught and fun world of romance and sexuality and partnership. All of this that requires such intense skills causes us to reflect on who we are in the world in so many different ways and how we present and what's our place in this Vast, strange construction we call society, and all of it, learning to survive and be independent. Reading it made me realize how courageous it is just living into this stage of our lives. Robert Sapolsky, a Stanford neuroscientist and evolutionary biologist in his book, Behave, summed up this time in our lives, saying this about the whole scope of it, its difficulties and its majesty. He wrote, adolescence and early adulthood are the times when someone is most likely to kill, be killed, leave home forever, invent an art form, overthrow a dictator, ethnically cleanse a village, devote themselves to the needy, become addicted, marry outside their group, transform physics, have hideous fashion taste, break their neck recreationally, Commit their life to God, mug an elderly woman. Or be convinced, be convinced that all of history has converged to make this moment the most consequential, the most fraught with peril, and promise the most demanding. That they get involved and make a difference For the adults in the room, that begs the question of what is our job in all of this as the keepers and lovers and protectors of the human family? It's hard to know. Some days I think I want to just issue daily warnings like the ones I've been getting on my phone lately multiple times a day, the San Francisco air alerts. I just want to send them out every time I think of something I want to share with the people in my world, in my community that I love who are young. Or maybe do a mandatory class on my life lessons available free to spare you pain. Other days, I have literally planned in my head on multiple occasions the martial arts self-defense class that I want to offer at church and make mandatory. Do we chip them so we can find them when we're worried or commission a drone to follow them and swoop in when they need us? I say all this, I think all this, and yet I know that we only get experience from having it, right? That was my way. I'm sure the adults in the room can tell their own stories of how we only grow confident by facing difficulty, how we only understand our own capacity for courage by living through fear. So... We model, we teach, we prepare, hopefully we dole out independence in those kindergarten bus trips and all the rest before they stand at the edge of the ice floe, ready to leap, and then we pray and we cheer and we trust. which sadly is a lesson in love that I have to learn again and again and again and it goes way beyond them. It's this life lesson about you and I and not being able to keep our loved ones safe. We can't wrap them in armor or cast magic spells around them, though I would and you would too, I bet, if we could. We can't save them from pain and struggle and loss and disappointment and betrayal, though we would take it on ourselves if we could, but we can't. Instead, we must love and live with an open hand, as the poet Marge Piercy says. And she's right. Learning to love differently is hard. So this time of year, we say a blessing for all those who stand ready to step from the nest or leap into the oceans with all of its adventures and its risk. We bless you in your journeys, however they happen this year and the next. Know there will be time for them all, though it may feel, I imagine it may feel, it must feel some days like you are an exotic bird chained and lashed to a perch at the window but you'll have your time and blessings too to all who reach out with love and worry from home from the ice flows all of us with our open hands And our prayers on our lips, trusting, bright blessings to us all, amen.